Everybody. Welcome to the new episode of Crime at the Family Table, episode six. Um, today we have a really good episode for you, something that kind of freshly came to the table a few days ago. So we really hope you like it. I am joined here today by my fabulous co-host and friend, Alyssa. Alyssa, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty good. I'm on mommy duty again, so... Hopefully our third co-host will cooperate. Listen, our third co-host, unofficial to the gang, um, she can join every now and again. It's no problem. I'm sure that the audience appreciates some of that adorableness through their airwaves. So that should not be a problem. All right. So today I want to give a disclaimer that um, today's case does deal with death. Um, it does deal with seemingly racially motivated um, crime. And it, it is something that is a fairly tragic death. And if you're not prepared today to hear something that's like this tragic and and things like that to such a young individual, please um, take some time away. And I'm sure in the future we'll have um, episodes that will be more to your liking. All right. So today we'll be discussing Bakari Henderson. Um, it's a more, like Latanya said, it's a more recent case that's been brought to us, um, but it is actually still ongoing and there will be a trial coming up soon, but I'll explain all that in a second. So uh, in July, 2017, at just 22 years old, Bakari Henderson was on a celebratory trip. He had just graduated uh, from the University of Arizona. Uh, so he was on this trip to celebrate graduation to Greece, which I know Latanya and I have wanted to go to Greece on a girl's trip with another friend of ours. Um, so I was kind of disheartened when I heard that it was Greece. I was like, ah, now I'm rethinking going, but. Right, like it makes <laughs> me, it makes me really think like, cause when you see the pictures of Greece, like you see Mykonos, like everybody sees Mykonos and they're just like, this mm -hmm. is so beautiful. Like it's so like, you know, entrancing and it just feels like something out of a romance novel. And then it's just like, you hear about a case like this and it just reminds you and it puts you in the reality that nowhere is really safe. There is no perfect place. And there is like dark things that can be lurking. It's just, it's a really crazy and sad story. Um, so he was on this trip to Greece. It was kind of like a boy's trip. He was there with, I think one, maybe two of his friends when he was jumped outside of a bar by a mob of 10 white men. Um, nine of the attackers were identified. So there's still one guy that's out there that they haven't identified. And nobody seems to be giving him up like it just seems like he got away with it and they're just they're everybody who got locked up is okay with that with him getting away and I was wondering like where did he just disappear to but they found at least nine of the ten uh they were identified they went on trial in 2018 unfortunately only six of them were found guilty but they were only found guilty of assault and some of them were found guilty of like lesser assault charges. So you know how there are degrees to this law stuff. Um, there Every degree is different depending on where you are. So like 
like I, I think we found that out more like in America we can kind of come up with like they would like vehicular homicide and like mm-hmm. that's different than murder in the first degree like we have that here and then we go to other countries like so the assault that they were found guilty of is assault with like a death assault like so assault that led to a death like that may have not been the clearance like quote unquote the clear intention of these men that that's what this law is saying to kill him but death was in the result and I think that that's something we kind of have here like a like assault with deadly force and things like three of the men were actually free and zero of them were convicted of murder so while some of them did go on trial and were charged with different things none of them were charged with this kid's murder um, but I will get back to that in a in a second because I do want to give some positive light on this case. I do want to give some background on Bakari because he seems like he was uh, just a fantastic person. Um, Bakari was from Austin, Texas, and he was described as a lifelong entrepreneur. So when I read that, I was like, "What does that even mean? Like how he was? You know, he was only twenty two, unfortunately. But what exactly does that mean?" So. They said he started his first business in the first grade. Immediately, I was like, okay, he was out here selling candy at recess or whatever. No, Bakari was in the first grade selling rocks to his classmates. What? Rocks? <laughs> Listen, when I heard that, I was like, oh, this kid had it from the beginning. Because how are you selling rocks to your classmates? Not, like I said, not candy, not things that for many first graders would be, would be like, oh, I want to buy this. Mommy, give me a quarter to buy this. This kid was selling rocks. So you know he had the entrepreneurial spirit. Right, he had the gift of dad. <laughs> because how are you talking these little kids into rocks? I don't know. Listen, so he earned a degree in finance and entrepreneurship from the University of Arizona and planned on launching his uh, apparel brand. He was going to have a clothing line full-time. Uh, his mother described him as headstrong and he knew what he wanted. And immediately when I read that quote, I was like, okay, the lifelong entrepreneur makes perfect sense. Like he clearly from the first grade knew like, this is what I want to go into. Right. Um, and it seemed, and you already know what they mean when they said the entrepreneur spirit. That means he doesn't take no for an answer. That means that he was probably getting on punishment a lot. Because yes. people that don't take no for an answer, they're going to talk back. They're going to try to figure out how they can maneuver, swift move out of some stuff. So I think that that's a very interesting way of saying, yeah. Yeah, he got in trouble a lot, but you know, that's just his, that's just his personality. He's never going to take no for an answer. He's going to fight for what he believes in. And that's a very important uh, quality to have. Um, so he's actually the middle child of three siblings. And his wow. mom says he was the heartbeat of the family, mm-hmm. which is me as a therapist. I understand like how there can be like middle child syndrome where the middle child often feels invisible, but it's crazy. It's interesting how he was the middle child and he was like the center of their family. Right. Like he was like this big glue part. Like he was not like, we, we heard that in the Jelani day case, like we hear that, that people play intricate roles in their family and they're so loving and, and they're just like the peacekeeper. Some and the fact of the matter is, with his spirit, sometimes little children kind of want to play the background more than they want to play the front role. Mm-hmm. So that just told me that he definitely was somebody special. 
um, he was the type of person that if you were ever in trouble, ever in trouble, he would drop what he was doing and come help you. Um, I think his father was the one that said he was one of the most effortlessly cool people you'd ever met. And I knew quite a few of those people who was just like, you, you're not even trying to be cool. Like here I am nerdy trying to be cool. And you, you just walk in a room and you can just feel people's vibe and their swag. So that's how I imagined him. Just somebody who just had that it factor. Yes. Like that person, they just kind of, they stand out like you, people gravitate to them. And while that's a great, like, that's a cool quality to have. I think that might've played a role in a part of like what happened leading up to his death, but we'll get back to that. Uh, so Gail King actually did an interview with his parents back in 2017 uh, when all of this had initially started. And she was even so like taken away, like she was captivated by this kid that she still wears a purple band. Like y'all remember those Live Strong bracelets that were like the yellow ones? Yeah. Um, and then, yes, and now they're in like a bunch of colors for a bunch of different things. So his was a purple band. Gail King still wears this purple band with his name on it. And she says she's had like super fancy um, photo shoots. She's had to get her picture taken, you know, videos time and time again. And she's probably wearing like these fancy outfits. And the photographers are like, oh, can you take the bracelet off or can you like hide it or something? And she's like, no. Like she refuses to hide it or take it off until he gets justice. And I think that that's pretty cool. And that speaks to who he was and his spirit. I appreciate it. So unfortunately, this bright young man's future was cut short just two months after graduation. So Bakari and his friend, uh, they were invited to like, okay, so now I'm taking, I'm fast forwarding you to Greece. Bakari and his friend were invited to a popular nightclub actually in Greece by a waitress they had met. And it is important to know that she's Serbian. You'll understand why that's important in a second. So at one point they went to the club. They're like, hey girl, hey, you invited us here. Here we are. So she's like, great. She, the waitress took a selfie with Bakari, which is, is 2022. Back then it was 2017. That was totally normal to take a selfie that's all we were doing back then anyway was taking selfies yeah it was that the selfie stick like that's I feel like when the selfie stick actually blew up too like selfies mm-hmm. were it like you wanted to commemorate I'm sure he wanted to commemorate this moment that he was having in this foreign country and she was like oh okay hey American tourists like we're having a good time so she took a selfie with Bakari which apparently made a man at a table nearby very angry So I'm thinking he was like watching their interaction the whole time and he just, he got mad. So he walks up to the waitress and says, there are so many Serbs in the bar. Why are you taking, why are you talking with a black guy? And at first I was like, excuse me? Like, what, what do you mean? Why am I talking with a black guy? But I don't have any reports of what, like how she responded back to him, but I'm sure it probably was like, initially like I felt like she definitely he probably is somebody that bothers her like I'm sure you know like when you're working in a bar and you're a bartender or whatever like you have these people that come and see your club and they're just used to the way things are and I know people kind of would probably find it also weird that like this is like a Serbian spot and like all this stuff but you know like people 
even in Philadelphia, we have like certain bars that certain people just go to and they have an affinity to um, because, you know, she's a Serbian, which I'm pretty sure is probably a Serbian owned establishment because we're because Serbia is a very close country to Greece. Like it's like right. It's north of Greece. Um, it's like right below because Hungary is also in the way we see Greece is the way that like you know in pictures it's like this offshoot land like it looks like just an island but that's like yeah like we see one part which is Mykonos which is an island but Greece is actually a part of it's attached to like these more Slavic places um and Serbia is like right above there and then Hungary is above that and then Bulgaria is like next to it so you're gonna see like this trifecta and Croatia is to the west so it's kind of like if you want to picture a picture like Greece is like Spain of that area like it's in the southern part so like that's why it's a little more tropical and whatever and I think that people from Serbia and all those other places do take trips down and they may build their businesses it's just like how we find in America people go to Puerto Rico to make a business would it kind of be the equivalent of like how people from Jersey come to clubs and stuff in Philly Yes. Yeah. And, and because that's how close countries are, like countries are close like that, like states are for us. Like when people think of like how America we see it is like we're miles and miles away from it, but it's kind of like the closeness that Texas is to Mexico. Mm. Like okay. they're right on top of each other. That makes sense. Mm-hmm. So I it, it was like mainly I think it's a place where people, Serbs, frequently are in this bar because he wasn't the only Serbian guy that was in the bar. Mm-hmm. So he gets pissed off. He's like, why are you talking with a black guy? All of, you know, all the Serbs in the bar and you're talking to him. This man then proceeds to slap Bakari. They get into a tussle before he, before Bakari leaves. So he's, I, I can't imagine what's going through his mind at this point. You know, he's probably like, I just was here minding my business. Like she took a selfie with me and now you're pissed off. We get into it. And it's like, whoa, like what's all of this? Like, like, cause I can definitely tell like he just came out briefly. Like he's just having a good time. Like it's not that serious. He, she, he was invited. It's not like he's filling up on her or anything like that. Like it's not that serious. <laughs> And it's not like he's coming into like, I'm doing air quotes, like invade their space. Like you said, he was invited by this Serbian waitress. Mm -hmm. And it's crazy because he actually mentioned, um, so they got into a tussle and then he he left. Um, So a mob, specifically they use the word a mob of mostly Serbian men, then joined the angry idiot, the one who was pissed off that the waitress was even associating with Bakari. And they proceeded to chase Bakari into the street, surrounding him and eventually beating him to death. The entire thing was caught on surveillance cameras. So his parents were saying, you know, obviously his loved ones were outraged. They were upset and heard about this, especially the fact that these men were not immediately like arrested and convicted of murder because everything was caught on camera. But thankfully a prosecutor in Greece agreed with the family and he ordered them to have a retrial. So okay. just so everybody understands that 
one of the one of the things that happens in Greece is they do not have double jeopardy like we do in the states. So with double jeopardy, as we know, is that once you're tried for a case, like even like even if you're not convicted, that means you're acquitted for it. So if you're acquitted for um, let's say you you it does robbery and then there's robbery, then there's like the assault part, and they'd be like, well. You didn't, well, the assault, we're going to take, you You found innocent of the assault. You can no longer be retried for the assault. Yep. Um, there also is a a, a, a a huge thing where people just like, well, does it like, but we do have a slippery slope part where if let's say you're, you do something and uh, it's racially motivated, for example, and you then uh, you found, you get found innocent for the criminal case. Like let's say with the Rodney King situation, for example, Rodney King situation happens. The police officers are acquitted for the crime of, of assaulting him, but because they were tried later on with a hate crime, that now moves up to a federal level, which then makes it eligible and not no ineligible to be considered under double jeopardy because you can be found innocent for something or guilty for something, whatever in the state, but federally you can still be try for it underneath something else because it's technically not the same case you're being tried for the assault but it's under a different label of something else so like it's, it's kind of complicated like that in Greece for example though they don't have something like that so you can be they can later come back and add charges to you so they can be like we're gonna just retry you again because we have the evidence and we can do that and is it for some people, you're going to find that that's not fair. However, I think in certain cases, you can see it as a benefit. However, it is a slippery slope, and they try not to do it too often. Only with cases that really touch at the heartstrings of people, and people really feel like justice was not served for this person, that they would do it. But it has to be with a public outcry. This is not something that they do every other Tuesday. This is something that is done under extreme circumstances um, and with the backing of a prosecutor. Thank you for explaining that because I, I knew what double jeopardy was, but I didn't know to the extent um, of how it plays out in American law. But I'm I'm thankful that this prosecutor in Greece was on their side and was like, nah, we need a retrial because this isn't, they shouldn't be able to just get away with this. So the retrial was scheduled for early 2020, but we know with Rona out here, um, everything got delayed. So it's been delayed a couple of times. Even after Vice President uh, Kamala Harris stepped in in February, she was trying to shake things up and be like, hey, what's going on with this? But it's still, the trial kept getting, uh, the retrial kept getting pushed back and pushed back and pushed back. So the next trial is actually, mind you, he was, he was killed in 2017. The next, the retrial is set for March 11th of this year. So in like six days, hopefully they will be starting the next trial. Um, honestly, this is just a reminder that we have to realize that the, that justice is sometimes a long process. And it shouldn't mm -hmm. be, we should have a better execution of kind of finding somebody to a trial, but I feel like and being reformed for the correct crime. Mm, I see what you're saying. Like you're not taking accountability. Like you haven't, because a part of rehabilitation is like, you know, like people that go through D DNA and AA, it's all about accountability. So you, if you're only accountable, like, 
I fought him, but you don't know, you took a life, like somebody died. And the fact of the matter is, I said in the beginning that this was potentially like a racially motivated attack. This was a hundred percent racially motivated attack. Yeah. I I don't think that because in Greece they do have hate crime laws, but their hate crime laws are really light. So it's like six to six months to a few years, like six years in prison potentially and fines of ten thousand, which is about almost eleven thousand in America. American in USD um, or 25,000, which is probably like a little more than that, like 26,000 in USD. So it's not really long sentences for hate crimes because they really just don't have the type of system. And hate crimes are something difficult everywhere to get someone under. And I don't see that they're actually using the racism motivation because I don't think it would add any more crazy years. So I don't maybe think it's worth it. As far as hate crimes, because you just spoke to the hate crimes in Greece. Wait, did you? So in America, if bodily injury results or if such acts of intimidation involving the use of firearms, explosives, or fire individuals can receive prison terms of up to 10 years while Mm -hmm. crimes involving kidnapping sexual assault or murder can be punishable by life in prison or the death penalty and you know obviously it's dependent upon what state you're in but that's the basic hate crime laws in america yeah like so it's, it's it's different it's definitely different but we also in america we don't see many cases even though we see them as requiring hate crime laws and one of the things like I learned while I was in school that kind of I think will hurt a lot of people when they hear this is that hate crime is a very hard thing to actually be found guilty of and one of the biggest reasons is is because you have to have not had any other interaction with this person beyond the incident of of the of the crime so for example it's very hard for your neighbor to be convicted of a hate crime against you it's very hard for a police officer to be convicted of a hate crime against you because they can assume that this person in some way some shape or form had another interaction with you and once that other interaction is is noted then that then becomes the reason why they hurt you that can become the reason. There is not, that's body who is seeking out Black people to harm them. You are committing a hate crime. You're after anybody. We saw that in Georgia with the um, massage parlor uh, murders. This person was seeking out massage parlors to attack somebody. However, he may not be found guilty of each massage parlor because if he was a patron at one of the massage parlors, then that case is now thrown out because he's then becoming a patron which gives him another interaction you actually have to really have no interaction i do think that um mr henderson's case does fall under hate crime because they had never met him beforehand and the case really was really involving the fact that he was a black man taking a photograph or getting attention from a serbian woman who they were attracted to and they just didn't like that there was no conversation that was happening there was nothing before it was a simple boom and there's actually a quote by um gail king she recently did an interview on february 9th with the um with Mr. Henderson's parents, with Jill and Phil Henderson, and it basically said 30 seconds. It took 30 seconds to take his life. Mm -hmm. And that 
I think is very telling of like how fast everything went. So I do believe that they should be tried with a hate crime. I'm not saying they shouldn't, but I'm just saying under many circumstances, you don't find it being that clear cut. No, I mean, they caught him on surveillance. Like it's, there is actual footage if, you know, obviously trigger warning, but if you want to look it up, you can find actual footage of this young man's life being taken and the people that did it, except all, except for this one person that they can't find. But I, for me it's cut and dry you have them on camera killing this young man so why are they not being tried for murder like and and i don't know if they can like call it a crime of passion like obviously it seems like it wasn't something that was planned like it just was happening in the moment but they should still be at the very least tried with manslaughter like something to say that hey you took this person's life and now you have to serve 25 to life in prison for doing this like i think that they could be tried with like if we're talking about like murder in the third degree or manslaughter only because like just because you did not have the um the intention of doing something the minute you jumped in and added more people to it this is why like you know you see these fight videos of people doing jump-ins and stuff that is very dangerous because it's more people you can be overwhelmed like somebody for example let's say they just like it wasn't just the beating that really killed him like let's say um Bakari had um had a heart attack or an asthma attack while they were beating him up that mm-hmm. is still like even though you had no intention and it wasn't your hits you overwhelmed him to the point of death you should be responsible for that because you should not have done that absolutely and this these men like it'd be one thing if he got into like a tussle with that one guy and he assaulted him and he lived like that that would be one thing okay charge him with assault because you clearly attacked this boy and he was minding his business but the fact that other random men I don't know if they knew the the original attacker or not. And they were just like, hey, it looks like Jim is getting into, I don't know if his name is Jim, but it looks like Jim is getting into some something with this black guy. Like, let's go see if he's okay. I don't know if it was that or if it was like, clearly this black guy is doing something wrong. And or if they overheard. Say, and as other people say, when liquor gets involved, shit hits the fan because liquor gets involved and you you may not be thinking like I'm not I, I can't speak for everybody there but I just know you're drinking you're in a bar you may have this ability to want to do something but liquor gives you superhero mentality that you have super strength and you can do whatever and you are invincible it's liquid courage mixed with racism mm-hmm. and that's a deadly cocktail <laughs> like maybe it is horrid oh, i'm so sorry one of the things i want to talk about real quick was life imprisonment in greece like what that looks like so this is from wikipedia i'm going to find a more official article but i'm going to get the quick thing from the good old wikipedia is that life imprisonment in is legal under greek penal code and the most severe punishment available under law it can be imposed for multiple murders, mass murders, treason, terrorism, aircraft hijacking, aggravated hostage taking, such as life sentence is mandatory for multiple murders and any act of terrorism, including aircraft hijacking. For a single life sentence, an inmate could become eligible for parole after serving 16 years. 
for those for those who receive multiple life sentence, parole eligibility can begin after 20 years. Parole is not mandatory, and if rejected, the inmate can reapply every two years. There are an average of 25 life sentences per year. The Greek, uh, the pre president of Greece can pardon an inmate any time for those under age of 18. The maximum sentence is 20 years imprisonment. So the maximum somebody can get in prison in general is 20 years? No, those that are under the age of 18. Oh, okay. I'm not- Which, uh, which I think I'm, I'm okay with. Yeah. I'm not mad at that because it can live a life. Like, I, I think that that's something, because just like in America, you cannot sentence like a juvenile to a life term. However, they do get away, from, they do get around that statement by kind of doing longer sentences as long as it's not their whole life. I mean, laws everywhere I'm finding are- just not always great like mm -hmm. for what they are meant to to do like uh, you said is prison is meant to rehabilitate people but we all know especially because prison is privately owned now there's money to be made and one in america if there's money to be made mm -hmm. there there are rules to be broken like they're not going to treat people humanely and fairly and equally and all those things if there's money to be made out of it they're going to keep those those people in prison but you know i'm glad at least greece is, is trying to do something i don't know but yeah, like a lot of countries over on that side of the world folks like you see it i see it with sweden and like all those other places rehabilitation is first versus like our american system is punishment and incarceration so you'll find in other places over on that side of the pond is that penalties look a little different in the prison system because and I think that's very purposeful because they realize at some point because of how their sentences are laid out that these people are going to be in society at some point and is it better to have a fully functioning person come back into society or do you want somebody who is in a dark dingy place with rats and feces and disease and and just and crime going around or would you rather them be in a peaceful environment where they can get their mental together in 16 years and come back into society and be in common i'm not saying everybody can be rehabilitated like there are like cases of groupings of people that can never be rehabilitated but i think that there are people that can be rehabilitated, that, that they deserve the opportunity. And I feel like when you're thinking about those masses of people, they outnumber those individuals who cannot be rehabilitated. It's not my place to say who can be rehabilitated and what the families of victims feel like rehabilitation and how that should be done. That like, cause people are going to have their own feelings. Like some people find if the person sentenced to death, they don't feel like it was justified. They get life sentence. They don't feel like they got justified. The person dies before the sentence. They don't like, so you you can't tell people how they personally would feel. I'm just saying in the grand scheme of things, when we think about life, we have to think about that majority of prisoners are going to be back in, in, the, in our society. And what type of prisoners do we want back in society? We digress. That was our little prison reform moment. And <laughs> like you said, we will definitely um, pop into that next season because why are we not utilizing your criminal justice degree? Like, come on. <laughs> um, so... On a, on a shift to a more positive note, Bakari's fam family has said that they want to honor his life. Um, while they want justice for his death, they do want to honor his life. So they have an LLC that they started in 2018 for his clothing line, Bakari Luxury 
sportswear. Uh, they sell men's and women's clothing. So I would say, so if you can, I would say let's support, like let's support Bakari's dream. And if you're in the, you know, if you're in the mood for some sportswear, why not support? Uh, and his name is spelled Bakari, B-A-K-A-R-I, luxury sportswear. They sell men and women's clothing, like I said. Um, so buy some. If you're in the sportswear or if you just need something like super cute to throw on, there are some cute pieces. Uh, a portion of the proceed go to the Bakari Foundation. And that's a nonprofit they started that offers international retreats to grief, grief-stricken excuse me, families to help them heal. Uh, and the family specifically wanted to make sure siblings were included because oftentimes siblings are not included in grief. It's usually kind of focused on the parents or whoever the primary caregivers of the person uh, was. So I think that that's really cool that they wanted to make sure the siblings were included because like I said previously, like Bakari was like the center, the heart of their family and he was one of three siblings. Um, the Bakari Foundation also, I think is super cool. They partner with a high school in Texas to teach youth finance and entrepreneur entrepreneurship skills uh, to the so cool. yeah to the students there. So they're honoring his memory and they're fulfilling his dreams in a way, um, a major way. And I think that that's I think that's amazing. And what a legacy to leave behind at only twenty twenty two. Right. Like, I mean, I feel like this is going to go well beyond. And I think that that's one of the things I think the family wanted to do was they didn't want his story to end at his death. Yeah. He seemed too much like a a big, vibrant person, like such, you know, those people who just who when they come in the room, they fill up the room in a good way. Mm -hmm. And he seems to me like that type of person that just had this like outgoing spirit who was very like driven and knew what he wanted. And, you know, unfortunately he wasn't able to fulfill that in life, but it looks like um, his memory will be, uh, it will continue with the foundation and with his clothing line. So that's, that's super dope. Yeah. And I'm looking at the clothing line now, you guys, and everything looks really cute. One, um, one of the things I noticed also is like the emblem is like this royalty, like, so it's definitely giving like the luxury part of it is really nice. This looks like really great quality clothes. Like, so definitely check them out. I might be getting me a couple of sports bras because, you know, your girl always can use those. Yeah. And, you know, of course they have a little discount, 20% off. You sign up for like the, the mailing list and things like that. I think, I know for sure I'm going to, be getting something i'm getting back into my workout my workout tip and they have a lot of cute things they got hats they've got like lasagna said they got sports bras zip up pullovers things like that it's really cute and really like current like fashion forward so mm-hmm. biker shorts all those types of things and the prices are affordable if you're gonna go to lululemon or wherever fabletics <laughs> clearly i don't work out much gym shark yeah listen First of all, Lululemon stuff is see-through, so. Uh, hello. If you're going to still be buying a Victoria's Secret pink leggings, and that's pants. just the tea. And that's just the tea. Um, <laughs> Support Victoria's this Secret doesn't fit me. So let's just talk about that. Listen, it ain't fit me since high school. So 
if you're gonna buy those like big brand then support Bakari like you know it's dedicated to him it's dedicated to you know fulfilling his dream and hopefully to getting some justice for him also you can find it um on Amazon yes but um however you guys like you want to make sure that if you really are interested in supporting Bakari's brand, that you be careful because sometimes when you go to these side sites, they may not give money back to the foundation part. So sometimes that can happen. So maybe do, do your research to make sure like this is a store set up by um, the Bakari Foundation and it's just not clothes being sold by a third party seller. Yes, absolutely. Because we like you said, we want to make sure that he's getting the proceeds and not some random person. Before we discuss further, I do want to leave you with this last conversation Bakari had with his parents. Um, they said he FaceTimed them very early in the morning uh, because he wanted to be the first one to wish his dad a happy birthday. Uh, he, he told them that Greece was amazing so far and his mom said he sounded joyful, uh, excited, his usual upbeat self. So I, I thought that that was important to share. Um, and I'm happy that that was the last moment, the last conversation that they got to have with their son, seeing him happy and joyful and doing what he did, like breathing life into his family and, you know, wishing his dad a happy birthday. All right, everybody. That is all we have for you today. Um, I like to thank you guys for listening. Um, we'd like to also remind you guys that we do have an Instagram. We have a Twitter, crime, crime at the Family Pod for Instagram and Crime at the Family's Table on Twitter. Please um, look for us there. Also, just so you guys know, we will be ending at episode 10 for season one. So once we get to that final episode, we will let you know, as well as letting you know when we'll be back for season two. We're, we're going we're gonna to have a really consistent flow to this. Don't worry, we're not going to be waiting a whole year for next season. Next season will happen fairly quickly, but we do need a break to recharge the mental battery and get some new case research. Also, get you guys involved in parts of it. We're trying to build up on letting you guys be a part of what we talk about and what do we discuss and maybe some questions you may have because I know I have people that reach out to me and want to have questions about cases we discuss so please you guys we ask that you um, be a part of this growing family and you keep reaching out and you and you watch us grow yes and thank you so much like we are consistently growing each week is so cool to see because I like I always call us the little podcast that could and we had a discussion, a dream, and here we are. So thank you for being a part of that. Um, we hope that we continue to grow our audience and that you give us some feedback. Give us a rating. We're so excited. Hey, to the 2% of people that are listening in the UK too. Yes, we love it. Um, but thank you for joining us. We'll be back next Wednesday for another one. Bye. Bye. Thank you.